You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. We're going to get straight into the Word this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, we've been in this passage for the last seven weeks. This is the final part of our Beatitudes series. How many people have enjoyed the series so far? How many people have been challenged by the series so far? How many people think that the, the depth of faith and relationship with God is getting deeper and deeper and deeper? Fantastic. A few of us. That's good. Wonderful. Come on, let's read the Word of God together. Come on, the Word changes us if we choose to align, align our lives to the Word, not the other way around. We don't try and fit the Word into suit us. We change our lives to sit on the foundation of the Word. It says here, And seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. For my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray as we look at God's Word today. Thank you, Jesus, for your Word. Thank you. You are the Word. You are the living Word. That every time we read the Word, we connect to you, to the person of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your Word that sets a a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, a sure foundation that we can build our life upon. We thank you. Lord, speak to us, I pray today. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning we conclude our eight-week series looking at eight statements that Jesus delivered as his first sermon. So this was the first sermon that Jesus preached, and he starts with these thoughts. Blessed. You are blessed if these things happen in your life. Throughout Scripture, there's a, a, a thought called the law of first mention. So when something's mentioned or spoken of for the first time, it it sets in place an understanding of how we would understand it throughout the rest of Scripture. Now, the word blessed was not a a new understanding at all. People understood. We've just sung about the blessing that was the ironic um, blessing spoken over the people of Israel. So they understood what it meant to be blessed. But Jesus was defining blessing in a new way and a new understanding. He was saying, in your relationships, you can be blessed when you understand this. If you acknowledge the poverty of spirit, right at the start, when we recognize that we are bankrupt without God, that our sin separates us from God, but, but if we were to recognize that, we are blessed. If we learn to mourn properly, we would be blessed. If we would develop meekness in our lives, we would be blessed. If we would hunger and thirst for righteousness, if, if we would desire to have a pure heart before God. You know, right through to last week where Jaden spoke about blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers, but the peacemakers. So here we are, we find ourselves with the last one here. Blessed are those who are persecuted. What's interesting about the first seven is that they are attitudes that, that I develop within myself. You know, it's choices that I make. You know, an understanding of my mind and a, and a working through with this. Whereas the eighth one 
It's something that happens to me. So the blessing comes when this thing happens to me. Not when I make a decision to recognize the poverty of spirit or or when I develop meekness in my life or when I develop purity of heart. This is something that happens to me, almost as though Jesus was setting us up (laughs) in a good way. He's saying, you develop all of these characteristics. Was he saying that the inevitable outcome is that you will then be persecuted? I'm afraid so. (laughs) You can't read it any other way. Develop this in your life. Develop all of these attributes, these attitudes in your heart. And the outcome of that is you will face persecution. Anyone want to quit and go home? Or are you prepared to go in? you prepared to go deeper and understand that persecution is a part of the blessing of God. It's going quiet. But as we dive into this passage, we... we I think there's an amazing observation that I just saw as I read this passage again this week. The very first blessing is blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All of the others then have their own blessing that comes with with the enduring and, and, and the processing of all of these different thoughts. Right to the last blessing, which is exactly the same as the first one. Blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the first one and the last one, the blessing that we receive is the kingdom of heaven. Friends, the greatest gift, Jesus' favorite topic was the kingdom of heaven. When we understand the kingdom of heaven, and when our eyes get fixed on the kingdom of heaven, everything else in this world pales in comparison. See, we, we live in a worldly system that wants to get our eyes focused on, on wealth and achievement and accomplishment and, and all of these things. They're, they're great and they're wonderful and they're amazing. But if that is our focus, if our focus is on the things of this world, we miss the kingdom. But Jesus is saying, blessed are you. Blessed are you if you recognize you are lost without God. Right through to bless the you if you are persecuted because your reward is the kingdom of heaven. That is our pursuit. That is what we long for. What I love about this also is this, this last part. You'll notice there's quite a lot more writing in the text. It's, the others were quite short, like one sentence liners, but this is like a double blessing. There's a double blessing. First of all, blessed are those who are persecuted. Like a generalized, all of the others were generalized, but then there's a double blessing. Almost as though, can you imagine being in the crowd with Jesus and blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are you who are persecuted. Blessed are you who are persecuted. It's it's, it's like there's almost this personalization for the listener to say, you are blessed. Mike, you're blessed when you face persecution. I know you're still not buying it yet. How many people love persecution? Go out for a shot of persecution, yeah? We love it, don't we? No, we don't. Everything in our flesh resists persecution. And yet Jesus says, friends, you're blessed if you experience the gift of persecution. Anyone prepared to pray a prayer? Lord, let persecution be my portion. Let's define what Jesus means by persecution. Because we can blame a lot of things on persecution that isn't. 
I got a bad habit. I, I know you'll find this hard to believe, but but at the end of the day, I ch- get out of my clothes and get into my pajamas, and I put my clothes on the floor beside my bed. Now, the intention is that when I wake up in the morning. I'll process those clothes, give it a little sniff test. If it's good, it can go back on again. If it's not, into the washing basket. Now, my beautiful wife, Amy, would like me to sort my clothes at the end of the day, put them away in the cupboard and hang them up. Any people think that's probably a good idea? So my intention is to do that, and I do do that, but I often don't do it quick enough. And so my my wife will say, would you mind tidying your clothes up? And Yeah, of course I'll do that. And I don't do it in time. And so the next invitation is just got a little bit more weight behind it, if you know what I mean. And so I can't turn to her and say, stop persecuting me. Because that's not persecution. I, I'm, I'm outworking the, the, the outcome of my decisions, right? It's like people who, who are... Who's saying, I'm being persecuted? I'm like, well, no, actually, you're just rude to people. <laughs> Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self control. Some of our, our fruit bowls are a little bit rotten with fruit flies. You just call it as it is. It's like I'm being persecuted for my faith. No, you're just impatient, you're just unkind. You're not gentle in your response. I'm being persecuted. No, that's just the outwork of the decisions you're making. I'm talking about a persecution that says when you're living by the Word of God, when you're living in the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God is controlling your life with the fruit of the Spirit, and that's evident in your life, and you're treating people right, and you're humbly serving, and you're following God's plan and His promise for your life, and then somebody comes at you. Or something happens to your life, and, and, and all of a sudden you go, what did I do to deserve this? You are blessed. Friends, you're blessed when that happens to you. Count it a blessing. Count it a blessing when you face that. Talking about when your boss or your workmate says, hey, let's just cut the corners here. Let's get this job done a bit cheaper. But your morals and your convictions say, no, no, we're going to do this the right way. Oh, come on. Yeah, just, just, just cross the line. It's all good. Think how much money we could save. I'm talking about a persecution that caused seven rugby league players to face an incredible backlash because they chose not to wear a jersey that where the ideology around that they disagree with. It, it went against their moral conviction. It wasn't that they disliked people. They didn't hate anybody. They just said, no, what we believe to be true is not represented in that jersey. That's persecution. That's the persecution Jesus was talking about. And he's saying, we're supposed to look different. We're supposed to act different. People are supposed to look at us and go, there's something about you that I like, but also I dislike. Because the way you live, the way you treat me, the, the decisions you make, they threaten me. They, 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 they wrestle with my flesh. We're supposed to be different. 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And maybe you're here today and you are being saved in the process. 
What I mean by that is you are coming to an understanding that God is real. And that there is sin in your life that, that you recognize grieves the heart of God. But if you would be, like Jesus said, blessed to the poor in spirit, if you would recognize that, you are in the process of being saved. And in just a few moments, I'm going to invite anybody who's in that place to say, God, today I surrender my life to you. I give myself fully to your plan and your will, not living by myself or for my flesh or my own desires, but for your will and your will alone. I think if we take an honest look at ourselves, I think over, over time the church has sought to be more relevant than righteous. Kind of hard to say, but sometimes I, I think we've tried to, to fit in and blend a little more than we should. Whereas our, our call is to be holy. God says, be holy as I am holy. What is revival? Revival isn't, isn't a good band and big attendance and, and lights and all that kind of stuff. All that's, that's, that's cool, but it holds nothing. Revival is when hearts say, God, I need you. And when our hearts are poured out before God and God in His grace and His mercy says, I forgive you and I restore you and I make you right in my eyes. That's God's heart for us. That's true revival. The gospel is relevant. So relevant for the critic, for the hypocrite, <laughs> for the skeptic, for every person that's fighting against the good news. It is so relevant. And so Jesus came and he preached this word. And he says, you are blessed if you are persecuted. The trouble is, true relevance also might not be good listening for our ears. Because if we truly take the word of God, we, we had a teenager about three or four years ago saying, the Bible needs an upgrade. It's not quite as relevant as it should be for today. I'm like, no, going to disagree with you on that one. The Bible is more relevant today than it's ever been. As we go off and we do our own thing and we come up with our human minds and our flesh, we come up with these amazing ideas that hold no weight. The Word of God is more relevant than ever before. It, in fact, it challenges the core of our existence, our fleshly response, and it calls for change. And that's what this Beatitude series is about. It's a call to change. And you say, well, I can't do it. It's like, yes, you're right. I can't either. But this is the power of God unto salvation. God does the work, but it's our surrender. He doesn't do the work until I surrender. It's an act of my will, and then His will is that He would restore us and heal us and make us whole again. We're supposed to stand out. It's like the Christian. This man gets a job at this company and the, and the wife's a little bit nervous because she's heard of the vulgar practices and the bad language that, you know, that company, you know, just heard it from friends. And so he has his first day at work. Like, and she's nervous. She's praying for him all day. Comes home at the end of the day. She says, how'd you go? He goes, it was awesome. It was so good. It was amazing. They didn't even find out I was a Christian. That's not an accomplishment. <laughs> Come on, we're supposed to stand out. 
When I say stand out, I'm, I'm not talking about standing up on a pedestal and making people, you know, like looking down on people. I'm talking we should serve. We should lay down our lives. We should love people. We should forgive people. We should not hold offense. We shouldn't gossip. That's what I'm talking about. That's how we stand out. Where people go, there's something about the way you treat me that's different to the way every, every other person's treated me. That's how we stand out. I remember as a teenager, I, I chose not to drink. Uh, not alcohol obviously I drink water but um, now I'm not opposed to alcohol and and but I've seen the evidence of people getting drunk and and I, I saw it just kind of mess up people's lives and I went no I just I'm choosing not to and so I ended up so I ended up playing for Northland I think 17 18 years old ended up playing for Northland and I ended up being the the sober driver as we drove down to Auckland and back great great culture in the club right it's it's improved greatly since then <laughs> But here I was as an 18-year-old responsible for all these drunk 20, 30-somethings just getting absolutely sloshed in the back. And we get to Brindewins and, and it, it, it was a mess. And, yeah. and the conversations around that, come on, Mike, have a beer. Come on, have a drink. Just do it. Just went, you know what? I just don't want that. I said, I said it. it, it it's, it's not the way I want to live my life. I don't want to get drunk. I'm not interested in that. I had lots of interesting conversations. Now, I wasn't persecuted over that stuff. I mean, we'll talk about some persecution in a moment. But, but you know, I, I made a stand in that moment. And I, 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 I like to think that I stood out a little bit. Because we had some really cool conversations. Admittedly, a couple of drunken conversations. But every moment I'd be in, talking about Jesus, talking about my faith. The amount of conversations that we had over a pint of orange juice and beer. <laughs> Just simply sharing my faith. To live for Christ is to live in opposition to Satan in the world and the world system that he influences. And so that puts us in opposition to Satan. Let's not pretend he doesn't exist. He does. Does he have the power of God? <laughs> no. He is defeated. But he's hanging on. He's hanging on and he's fighting his battle and he will take whoever he can with him. But there is an opposition. We stand in opposition. Everything that God represents and we start living like that, the devil hates. And so we can expect that like Jesus, like the apostles, like the early church, if we are following Christ with our heart, we will experience persecution. And we should think, I'm blessed. I'm blessed because I'm persecuted. So let's examine what persecution does in our lives and those around us. First thing it does is it changes our focus from this worldly kingdom to a heavenly kingdom, to God's kingdom. When we experience persecution, it begins to dismantle the vending machine God. That sometimes we think, if I come to Jesus, I'll get the house, the car, the three kids, the wife, the, you know, and we get this, this list, tick list of all these things. Now, how many people following Jesus have not experienced that as reality, that everything is perfect? Anyone had a perfect life since they've come to Christ? I, I, it's so unlikely that anyone's had that. Now, have you had a life filled with joy? Yes. And peace? Yes. And righteousness? Yes. But it's not free of trouble. It's not, tr not free of persecution. It's, it's not free of challenge. And anyone who tells you it's different to that, they're not preaching the right gospel. There, there is stuff that happens in our life that we can't explain, and on this side of eternity, we won't be able to. 
But we can trust God because he is good and history and the Bible would prove the goodness of God through every generation, including yours and mine. Thomas Watson once said, Though they never be so meek, merciful, pure in heart, their piety will not shield them from sufferings. They must hang their harp on the willows and take the cross. The way to heaven is by the way of thorns and blood. Set it down as a maxim. If you will follow Christ, you must see the swords and the staves. You know, it's not just harps in a cloud. We take up our cross. Persecution is one of the clearest ways to prove that we are truly saved. When you think about it, who wants to live a godly life? Anyone want to live a godly life? Well, here's, here's, here's what you can uh, expect. Everyone, this is what Paul says to Timothy, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be? Let's say it again. Everybody who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be? One more time. with. <laughs> so Paul's just spoken of his persecution. So this isn't a guy going, hey, I've got this theory. This is practical outworking. He understands what persecution was about. And he was the one that persecuted the other Christians. The irony in that, right? That he spent the good part of his years persecuting Christians because he thought he was doing a good job. And he was. He was persecuting them. And they were getting blessed. How cool is that? (laughs) Would you pray persecution is my portion? Would we? It's important that we note that persecution is not a constant thing. Okay? Everyone's like, oh, this is something exhausting. <laughs> Look, even Jesus in his ministry, there were times of peace and joy and celebration. He attended weddings and had a great time. And in our life, we experience all of that. Okay? But when persecution comes, we shouldn't go, God, why have you forsaken me? We, we should actually lean in and go, okay. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll endure this. Because I'm seeing not this kingdom, but I'm seeing an eternal kingdom. I'm seeing something beyond that. It's a cross I gladly bear. Second thing is persecution produces perseverance and character. Paul speaks to the church at Thessalonica about their persecution as though it's a given. I love this. I've never read it like this before. We sent Timothy, who was our brother and co-worker in God's service and spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. <laughs> I just love that, the, like the candid expression of this. As it, as it turns out, you've worked that out by now. It's pretty obvious, isn't it, that you will and you have experienced persecution. We see that persecution and trial, challenge that we face in our life actually grows us. Now, now James wasn't specifically speaking about persecution, but, but you, you could include it in that thought that count it pure joy. Some say count it a sheer gift when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, those who have experienced true persecution don't tend to focus on the trivial things. Oh, somebody doesn't like me. Like, you know, it's like that person's not kind to me. You know, because 
to be honest, the persecution we've experienced isn't like some persecution. One of my dearest friends is a man called Sukhan. He works in, in Bangladesh with children and youth, and I've got the opportunity to visit him in November and, and take a team over and just get alongside and support and encourage and minister to their team. They, they, they've probably ministered to over 100,000 children and teenagers over the last 25 years. This is in a Muslim nation, 90% of the, the population are Muslim. You've got to understand that 1% of the whole world's population are under the age of 14 and live in Bangladesh. That's the magnitude. Just, just, just try to wrap your head around those numbers. Like 1% of the world's population are under the age of 14. That's, that's who he's ministering to. He's had death threats, threats of arresting, being arrested. So he had mobs at his door. Workers that have been harassed, bribery and corruption, co-workers that have stabbed him in the back and gone to the police to try and get bribery for information. That's some real persecution. And it wouldn't surprise you, he doesn't get caught up on the trivial matters. (laughs) There's a depth of character that's come through perseverance and enduring the trials. Friends, persecution grows us like nothing else. And if we would be prepared when it comes to go, okay, God, I don't like this, but I'm going to endure it. I'm going to take this for your sake. And the last thing is the team come this morning. Enduring persecution introduces the kingdom of heaven to others. See, when we live a life that endures persecution, others come to Christ. Others come to him. Because they see a life that's not living for themselves but for Christ. And they say, could my life be like that? Could I live a life like that? An enduring faith is one that endures the persecution and others find Christ. In my last year of high school, I had the privilege of being head boy. Um, I was a Christian from a young age. um, Went into my high school years. Didn't shy away from the fact that I was a Christian um, in the last year of high school, we, we had a prayer meeting that, that happened at school. And I, I was always kind of wondered, did my life really make a difference? Was I, was I really making an impact? Um, I remember the pressure I, I'd feel every Monday as everyone's, what'd you do in the weekend? Oh, I went to a party, slept with three girls. You know, and it was, it was like just bragging about all their sexual exploits. Got drunk. And, what'd you do? Went to church. Then I started dating Amy towards the end of that that year. They're like, ah, have you slept with her yet? Like, no. No, not planning to. Not sure if we're going to get married and I want to to save that for marriage because I think that's a gift I want to give to my wife. Yeah, what about the try before you buy? Yeah. What if you're going to be, do you know whether you'll even be compatible? I'm like, well, take a lifetime of marriage to work that out. Turns out we're compatible. It's all good. But I felt I felt that pressure. That pressure to conform, that pressure to be like the world. And I remember in my, my my head boy speech at the end of the year, I had to give it for um, the, the senior assembly and the junior assembly. I remember writing in my notes, I'm here today because of Jesus. And I spoke about him. A little bit nervous. But I got up there and I spoke about him. I found out 
that there was two young boys sitting in, a, in the assembly years later that gave their lives to Christ not long after that speech. And they said their inspiration was Mike standing up there. We don't know. We don't know the impact our lives have when we face persecution and people look at you. How can you be going through that and still be standing? It's like the people that are up in hospitals. How, how can you still love Jesus and still follow Him when all of this is happening around you? We face persecution and, and people, people say, wow, you still got joy in your life? It brings people to Christ when we endure. What I love is the, the last words Jesus finishes with, blessed are those who are persecuted. But then it carries on and Jesus continues on and he says, you're the salt of the earth. Very next verse. There's a continuation here. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do you light a lamp and put it under a bowl, but you put it on a stand so that everyone can see it. You don't put a light on and put it under your bed. Our lives are supposed to be a light that the world sees, that would be attracted to Jesus. What's the last part of that? Why do we do that? In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds, the way you live your life, and glorify your Father in heaven. That is our purpose for living. Friends, persecution, we don't like it. But it is a gift from God that will not only get our eyes focused on the kingdom of heaven, but actually bring others to Christ. Jaden preached a great message last week about being peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Do you find it fascinating that Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, and then he says, blessed are you who are persecuted? Almost that you're going to be a peacemaker, but then when you're a peacemaker, you're probably going to become a troublemaker. Because <laughs> if you live your life according to Christ, you don't fit in. Don't fit in with the world's standards. We actually look different. We sound different. We act different. But what a blessing to be persecuted for His sake, right? We thought it'd be a great way to finish our series is to, to share communion together. And as you came in, hopefully you received uh, one of these emblems here. With a, with a wafer and some juice. If you don't, please raise your hand and our team will uh, come and make sure you, you get one. We've got a couple. Just keep it, keep it up nice and high so we can make sure we get one to you. The team are coming now with those. Got a few there. Awesome. A few extras. Great. Your communion is our connecting to God through two simple yet profound elements. The bread and the juice. The bread represents God's, Christ's body broken for us, for the healing of our bodies. The juice represents the, the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. As we take communion, there's a, a coming together, a common union, a remembering what Christ has done for us. 
And as we take communion today, I'd love us to take a moment to pray with somebody around us. Now you say, oh, I'm not sure about that. A little bit nervous to do that. Good, good. Let's get a little bit nervous. Let's meet someone new. What about that prayer thing? I'm not sure if I can do that prayer thing. It's okay. You, you, can, you can say pass. Just bless them. Just encourage them. Just say, may you know God. May you know His peace. If you still need one, just keep your hand up. Team are coming. May you experience the blessing of praying for someone today. Encouraging them today. May you pray that they would endure. Endure through, through the the challenges, the persecutions that we might face. Let's take a moment now. Let me pray for you and then maybe you can pray for somebody else, pray with somebody else this morning as you take communion together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible gift, this incredible gift of communion. We remember that you were persecuted. You endured. You you took on the cross. so that our sins would not count against us. Today, as we share this gift with someone else, may we speak life and blessing over them. In Jesus' name, amen. You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. 